Okay, Piers, it's time to get started, and I want to welcome you this morning. I'm Walter Spires. It's a great day to be alive. It's a greater day to be alive in Jesus. I wore this t-shirt this morning. Just, I'll give you the reasons for that as we get further into this um, um, second part of this message. This is a difficult teaching series. It is. I understand that. I'll probably go into a part three to finish up because I really want to go carefully I want to make sure that I'm giving you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to represent the Lord and His Word well and help you understand what it says about all this, all these different uh, licentious lifestyles and things that are going on over which right now there's a month of pride dedicated in this nation to them, glorifying them and uh, spitting in the face of and mocking God. And I want you to understand that. And also how we as Christians have to come at this biblically speaking the truth in love. But right now, let me just pray for our time together. Father God, thank you for your word. Your word is truth. It is truth. There's nothing but truth here. Things are difficult to understand sometimes. Help me to speak Speak the truth in love this morning, again, as I always seek to do, but especially on a difficult and challenging subject like this. Difficult to some, not difficult from your word, but very difficult for some. And and God, I pray for our nation. <clears throat> our nation's in a, in a mess, spiritually, more than any other way. And, and you alone, through Jesus, can pull us out of that if we repent. So, Lord, guard my heart, guard my mind, guard my words, that this would not be some rant of my own, something that I have uh, that's come up in my own heart, but, but just straight out of your word and, and to speak it well in, in a way that honors you. And that's I don't know what else to ask. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. I'm going to review briefly last week that video, the audio podcast version and the my notes, the written blog are all posted on onlyjesus.life. The YouTube, the video is also on YouTube. It may still be on Facebook. I'm not sure I may have taken it down because when I edit it, get a cleaned up version as I will after I do this one, take out some of the extraneous things. The um, Then I take that down and just put it on YouTube because it's a shorter, cleaner version. So, But it's there and I want to encourage you to watch it or listen to it. You really need to do that because I'm stepping in here. I'm going to review very, very briefly, but then I'm going to uh, get into the finishing the rest of this first part about where God speaks clearly about the sinful lifestyle and everything related to it with homosexuality, that which is being glorified in our nation this month. So we talked about the fact that God is the one that condemns. We do not condemn. There's no condemnation coming from me other than what has come from God. God has spoken, and I took you through his word. Because some will find a verse here or there and figure out ways to tear it down and say that's not what it really meant. We went over those in detail last week. But what I did walk you through was that we found we find these verses speaking directly and sometimes indirectly, and I also gave you the truth there, when it was speaking directly or indirectly, tried to outline that. I also tried to tell you what other people think who disagree. And I tried to do that fairly. 
although I'm sure some people won't think that. So these verses that identify marriage, first identify creation as a man and a woman, two sexes, identified at birth by those chromosomes. God created male and female. He put them together. He intended that to be marriage. Jesus confirmed that later on, very specifically, that marriage was one man and one woman coming together as a union of one. So God spoke it in Genesis. Jesus confirmed it in the Gospels. We see it in the soon after the creation and the fall and even after the flood and God destroyed things because of all the sin, kept Noah and his family alive, reprocreated the earth, if that's a word, through Noah and his family and all his descendants. And yet they again became very sinful and very evil because after the Genesis 3 world, that's the way of man. That's the way we are. We have this proclivity to sin and enjoy it and love it. And yet it's dishonoring to God, and he's made it clear throughout his word. So we go through Abraham and Lot in that story of what went on in Sodom and Gomorrah, and that God utterly destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for the practices that were going on, the homosexual practices going on there. We see it in Leviticus, and then Leviticus 18, Leviticus 20, it's very specifically spoken against and carried a death penalty under the law. So we know those verses, and I told you what some believe about them. Again, go back and watch that. I don't want to re-preach that message. I showed you an example indirectly in the prophets where Ezekiel speaking about that. And all the references back to Sodom, by the way, are references to that kind of sin because that's what Sodom was known for. And as we know, that's, the word, that's where the word sodomy, that, that act of sex between two men sodomizing, comes from. And so that's always referring to that when it talks about sodomy. And so we saw that in Ezekiel. I talked about Jesus speaking to it on a couple of different fronts, and one of which some will say I have taken some license with it. I don't think so. When he talked about those verses where he said anyone who causes one of these little ones, and he brought a child in front of him and said anyone who causes one of these little ones to stumble or sin, fall into sin, be better if he wasn't born. Be better if he wasn't born. Been better if a millstone, a big heavy rock had been thrown around his neck and be cast in the sea. Jesus was outraged by the thought of that, whether it is children or it is baby Christians, as some teach. And you'll see both things on that. But that's especially important this morning because, as I put in my notes when I did the final post on Facebook announcing that I was going to be teaching this morning, you've probably seen what's going on in Texas. And the age-appropriate drag queen show for little children, little children in this library, excuse me, bookstore, I think it was, and a bar. I mean, the, the outrage over that is, <laughs> it's past due. But see, that's part of this pride thing. It's part of that agenda. The agenda is to start at the youngest age, and that's why you have school books and curriculums in some public schools that talk about two mommies and two daddies and trying to get people to understand that their gender issues and God didn't make us the way we are, and it's okay to change, even as children. You're allowing younger children to make decisions that are insane. You wouldn't let someone, you wouldn't let them decide whether or not to cross the street by themselves at a busy time of traffic. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't let them decide to go out and get drunk or have a few beers when they were. Six, eight, 10, 12 years old, there are laws about that. Why we, we, we understand and realize that they're not able to make those kinds of decisions. They're not there yet, and yet we see people trying to do that. There are television commercials supporting that. 
it's very, very sad. What I'm going to begin with today are some of the strongest verses, probably maybe perhaps the strongest teaching directly outside of Leviticus from the Apostle Paul. And there are three different places. And the first one is found in Romans 1. Romans 1. And by the way, if you go back and look on my website or on the YouTube channel, you'll see there was a series I did when God gave them over. There were three times, and we're not going to get into all those today, but three times when God gave them over and it's teaching and messages out of Romans 1. I'm going to pick this up in verse 18. And if you have your Bible, Romans 1, 18, follow along with me. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, the wrath of God. Everybody likes to talk about the love of God, and God is love. He's full of love. But as also the full counsel of God is God is full of love and grace and mercy, justice, but wrath and all these other things that satisfy that, they fit together. They come together in perfect unity, perfect harmony, however you want to say it, kind of like the sides of a Rubik's Cube. They all come together, the different sides, different colors, different things, but they all are one. Okay, And this talks and Paul starts talking about the wrath of God revealed from heaven for what? All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Suppressing the truth is what's going on now. Suppressing the truth is the part of the agenda of the all the letters and things that I don't get right. So I try not to speak it. I'm, I'm trying to insult anybody in terms of, of being disrespectful to that. I'm just saying I don't know what, what I'll mean and stand for. I do most of them. It used to just be the gay and lesbian agenda, or the gay and lesbian rights movement, things like that. It has changed off of that to include a lot of other things. But Paul speaks directly to that. God's wrath is coming against those who suppress the truth with unrighteousness. And we've already seen throughout his word, this is considered unrighteous. These are unrighteous acts. These are unrighteous deeds. Therefore, it makes them unrighteous people who choose to live and practice in those lifestyles. Verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them. They know there's a God. Everybody knows there's a God. Everybody knows that. Whether they, they declare he's not or they're atheists or not, they know that because God has put inside of us that spirit. Again, women, we're, we're spirit beings. We're God-breathed. We're God-breathed. We're the only creature of all creation that God breathed into the nostrils of Adam, breathed life into him, and we're the only being, only created being like that, human beings, okay? So this, that God made it evident and known that he is here, that he is creator. And people work very hard to argue against that, to make the case for evolution and all those things. That again, unbiblical suppressing the truth. There was that famous Scopes trial a long, long time ago where they said, no, 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 that biblical stuff is nonsense. You're suppressing the truth. The truth is all the evolutionary stuff which no one's been able to prove, and they keep looking for all these different missing pieces and finding things that fit very, very clearly the story of the flood and all those things, but you know, I don't want a bunny trail on that. So in verse uh, Romans 1, 19, it said, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. They know that God is there. For since creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made, so they're without excuse. You know, one of the ways that God reveals himself to everyone, people always wonder about what happens to those people who haven't heard about God or places in the world where there may be tribes and different people, stuff like that. 
Listen, this speaks to the fact that God has revealed himself in nature, in creation. Every person, I mean, anywhere in the world that people have gone and discovered new people, groups, and things like that, they've been worshiping something. They know that there's a God. They know that there is a creator. There is something bigger than themselves that caused these things to come into being. And that's the one and only God of the universe, Jehovah God, and all his names. We began studying that when we looked in some uh, in ex, excuse me in Genesis um, some time back. But so God's made it evident. He's made it evident. His in, his invisible attributes are visible in the world. You know, anytime people go to the mountains, or they go to deserts, or they go to these places that the way our world is today, and you just look at the spectacular, uh, just look at it, you go, wow. The awesome majesty of these majestic mountains, these huge mountains and the beautiful valleys and the rivers and all the things that are there. And of course, they've evolved over time and broken up over all this stuff. And it's nonsense. They've certainly changed over time. But God spoke this into creation. God spoke it into existence. Jesus was part of that. The Holy Spirit was part of that. And it's evident and it's known to people. And so people have to work real hard to deny that truth. Because what happens then is if you if you accept the fact that what I'm telling you, there's God, our creator, then there comes accountability with that. And I've always believed and taught that the reason people choose to go a different way is not because they think they're smarter or they necessarily absolutely believe it. They know that if they give in and admit that there is God, our creator, then accountability comes with that. Because perhaps the rest of this story may be true as well, which we know that it is. Let's continue. In verse 20. I've already read that. Okay. Um, so verse 21 says, For even though, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks. But they became, listen, futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, in other words, worshiping each other or birds or animals or creatures, kind of like we do Mother Earth and we do animals and things today. We pay more attention to the rights of animals and, quote, Mother Earth than we do the rights of unborn children. God said they began to consider this wisdom. They thought, well, I'm smart. I understand this stuff. And they began to reason for themselves. And God allowed that to happen. He allowed it to continue to happen because He's revealed himself and they know in their hearts that God is God. And yet they choose to they choose to they choose to follow their own wisdom, follow the wisdom of others. Go listen to some guru, go listen to some motivational speaker, go listen to whoever reads some book or simply make up things that fit their own agenda or the, what they identify as God. We make up, or people make up gods all the time, and very often it ends up being themselves. Everybody worships something. Everyone has an authority in their lives. When you ask people, you get a lot of different answers. Who's the absolute authority in your life? What, what is the absolute authority? What do you believe is absolute truth and authority? And that troubles people because they know the right answer. They know in their hearts. But again, if you go down that path, it opens up some things they don't want to deal with. Why? Because as he said here, they have they've been futile by their own foolish speculations and reasoning and professing to be wise. They became fools. They bought into this stuff. And so here comes the first gave them over. This is when it gets dangerous. Therefore, 
because of all this foolish reason and this foolish thinking, calling these things truth, and as he said over here in 18, suppressing the truth and righteousness, the truth of who God is, God their creator, God their God, to whom we will all give account at some point. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their heart to the impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. God gave them over. God gave them over. This is the first of those very dangerous things where God gave them over. Not because he's mean and unloving, but because this is what they chose. They chose to worship themselves. They chose to worship other human beings. They chose to do, use their bodies for whatever they want to at their own choosing. They chose to worship animals or Mother Earth or all these things that they can make out to be God with a little g. They chose these things. It's just like in the Old Testament, some of the hard teachings where it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. God hardened his heart after Pharaoh continued to defy God through Moses, defy him, defy him in every way. And so in that same way that, quote, God hardened Pharaoh's heart, he, it was a response to his constant sinning and, and turning against God, spitting in the face of God, if you will. And that's exactly what's going on here in Romans, and it is today. And so God's hardening the hearts of people or allowing them to be hardened simply because they've chosen to be their own God. They've chosen to suppress the truth and righteousness and unrighteousness. They've done that. And that's clearly what we have going on with this homosexual agenda, this agenda that we're that's being celebrated this month. Corporations, I get so mad. I see this on television, people working for all the public corporations. They've all changed their logos to have rainbow stuff in it and pride written on it. I, I just, I, I fear for them. I fear for them. I really do. Um, we'll talk more about that later. It says they exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature, meaning themselves, animals, whatever, rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. And here we go. This is the verse that they hate so much. These verses for women exchange the natural function for unnatural, meaning women having sex with women. In the same way, men abandon the natural function of sex with women and burn in their desire for other men, men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. It, it couldn't be clearer. In, in these verses, there's no way to backtrack these or walk these back. Although some people will try, the best way to do it is simply to say Paul was, I don't know some of the words being used today. There are some that just, they're making up new words to describe people who believe as we do. And so they just decide he's every form of despicable man, bigot, racist, um, misogynist, um, homophobe. That's about the only ones that come to my mind I can think of that I know what mean, what they mean. And so I'm just going to tell you that's where they are. But Paul clearly called it out. He's writing to Christians in Rome, and Rome was what the United States is. Greece became that and was destroyed. The, the, the Greek empire had more influence than any empire in the history of the world. It wasn't around that long. Alexander the Great lived like 30 years or something. 30-something years, and supposedly took his own life. The Roman Empire, which was going to be this, you know, 
thousand year, whatever, kind of like Hitler's Third Reich and all that stuff. And, you know, these people had these great grandiose schemes. They crumbled from within because in this case of the sin, the immorality, the things going on, you can read books and stories, not just the Bible, on what went on in Rome and just the decadence. And it was mostly related to different forms of homosexual practices and things that went on. Children were involved, were heading that direction. I wore my t-shirt today, normal isn't coming back, Jesus is, because I'm just outraged. And you should be too if you read the stories about the, the things going on in Texas with the children. Someone thought it'd be a good idea in this Pride Month to create this age-appropriate drag queen show for little children. And one was in a bar and one was in a bookstore or library or something. I don't have all that. I don't have the story open in front of me. But there is moral outrage by people. I don't know if they're Christians or not. Christians should be absolutely outraged. Some have called laws to be passed to stop that nonsense. You would think there would be. It would be pretty obvious. You don't want children being taken advantage of like that and led into that kind of thing. Well, that just comes with allowing adopting of children in homosexual families where you are teaching them there can be two mommies and two daddies, and that's okay. People just think differently. And by the way, as I shared with you last time, that's the law of the land in this country that's been judged by God, I can assure you of that. Where SCOTUS, or Supreme Court, has ruled that you know every form of, of abortion killing babies, even up to the point after they're born, is legal. And that men and women, women and women can marry women and men can marry men, that they pass on those things. You're spitting in the face of God. You're defying the word of God. Those are national laws. Those are national laws. And so I'd be really, really weary of that. I really would be. Let me give you two other passages before I sum up this second part. In the uh, 1 Corinthians First Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10. Again, Paul's teaching. And then Corinth was this unbelievably decadent city. It was, you know, Greece, right? This, the Greeks were some of the most decadent, licentious people practicing all kinds of things, worshiping all kinds of gods, and all these practices were common. And so Paul planted these churches in very pagan places. He wasn't going and planting churches in a Bible belt. There was no such thing. The Jews were scattering out of Rome and in different places in Israel. It's called the, well, it's really a kind of a second dispersion, if you will. The first one happened after in the um, intertestamental period where the Apocrypha sits between Malachi and Matthew. They just scatter for their lives or they're scattered by their conquerors. In this case, they're scattered for their lives. And so that's quite frankly how Jews ended up in a number of these different places that you'd have never thought they would have been. Going to these pagan countries like Ephesus and or cities, Ephesus and Greece and Macedonia and Asia Minor, which is Turkey. Those are all pagan people. They didn't have any God background training there. There was, you know, Jesus didn't go there that we know of. This is how missionaries developed and mission churches and things developed. So Paul had his hands full. And that's why he wrote so many letters to Corinth. We think four. We have two as, as letters or epistles in our Bible. A couple got lost. And so speaking to this, because he was constantly having to correct them of their sinful lifestyles, 
He said this in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And I'm going to explain that in just a minute. Do you not know that the righteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, greedy, those uh, habitually drunk, verbal abusers, interesting how he lumps, lumps all these things together, swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, going back to what I said to you last time, and I'm going to wrap up with next time, temptation is not the sin. Homosexuality, being homosexual is not the sin, just as other states of mind, uh, I'm trying to think how to say this without being overly offensive, it is the practice, it is the lifestyle of these sins, of these sinful you know, thoughts. I, for example, we have three kinds of sin, right? John taught in 1 John, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life. We all are tempted in those ways. How do we know with certainty that temptation to do these things homosexually or habitually with other things are not sin, that temptation? Because Jesus was tempted in all ways, we're told in Hebrews. He was tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin. He didn't follow through. He didn't act on that temptation. Tempted to lust. Men are tempted to lust after other women that are not their wives. And, and women, I suppose, are tempted to lust after other men and things like that. And those are the lusts of the flesh. And the lusts of the eyes would be things that, you know, I want that. And yet you don't go steal it. You know, you're not acting on those things. Temptation is not a sin. It is the practice. So these lifestyle practices means you're living in sin. You have chosen to live in sin. And all these sins, and by the way, there's a lot of them. I'm speaking specifically to all the sins around homosexuality, those beliefs and practices because of the way it's being celebrated in our country this month. Otherwise, I don't pull out sins specifically unless something like this is going on. I do that with abortion at times during the year. You've chosen to practice sin. You've chosen to spit in the face of God, defy his word, mock God. And what he said, he closed that by saying, they will not, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. They want, he's saying, you are not born again in Christ if you choose to continue to practice or to live here, to live here, to stay there. And in my ministries all over, I have in multiple places, I've seen men and women who choose that and stay there. And I've seen others who have come out of that and gotten saved. So we're pushing that direction. But you need to understand what sin is, what it is not. And it is the practice, active lifestyle of this, the choosing, the proliferation, the stuff going on in our country that's just unbelievable. Well, it's not anymore. It's not unbelievable anymore. But it is absolutely an abomination to God. That's his own words. It's an abomination. It is defying the Lord God, and that's a dangerous place to be. The last one of these passages in 1 Timothy, Paul said this, similar words. He's teaching Timothy now, the young pastor. And he said this in verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 9, 10, and 11. Realizing the fact that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, 
this gets pretty dramatic here, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, murderers, immoral men and homosexuals, and kidnappers and liars and perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. Contrary to sound teaching. Now, I understand, and I'd be upset too, if my life was counted in that group of sinners there, those who are condemned. That's a pretty, um, a pretty strong list. And obviously those who fall into some of those things are offended by the fact that he would lump them in with such people. That's how God sees it. Now, one of the things that we'll talk about next time is, look, in my own sin before Christ, God saw me the same way because sin is sin. The differences are when you're trying to not only just live that lifestyle of sin, but then proliferate that and push it out on the world with this agenda, beginning with small children. Whew, that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. So I hope that helps you understand that he just says it's contrary to sound teaching. And it is. Most of us would say, and that's why I put this T-shirt on, that, you know, well, that's not normal. You can't use that word normal anymore. Oh, my goodness. You want to get in trouble quickly or get people coming after you or yelling at you or calling you all the different names I mentioned before. Talk about what's normal and what's not. Um, So we know in our culture, in this country, in our world, normal is not coming back. Not normal as we would define it as biblical norms. It isn't, but Jesus is. And that's what we stand on. I want to close out this part of hard teaching. This is hard teaching. This is difficult teaching. People, there are pastors and teachers, Bible teachers who go their whole ministry and don't touch this anymore because it's controversial, makes people mad. Who knows where it leads from here? I, I don't know. I just know that the Holy Spirit told me to preach this series through this month where people are honoring and justifying and promoting lifestyles that simply defy the word of God. And some of those people in those companies that are Christians must be struggling mightily with that. Because as I said last time, it's kind of a form of bullying because if you don't go along with this, you could lose your job, maybe. You could lose your job in the military. The military's gotten on board where it used to be totally against the law. Now, then they went through that don't look, don't tell, or don't ask kind of a thing to now just saying, okay, it's all right. Where's the biblical moral conviction here, just of what God says in the word of God? We like to trot out the word of God, or they do trot out the word of God and use a verse here and there to talk about the love of God or some of these things that are National Prayer Day. They trot out the verse about, you know, if my people who are called by my name, they take things horribly out of context, trot them out when it makes sense to them. Everybody likes to recite the um uh, the 23rd Psalm, when you want to feel better, comfort people, or uh, the Lord's Prayer over here, when it was specifically for his disciples. And, you know, all these things, why? Because they've made themselves to be out their own God. They've made themselves to be their own God with a little G. 
That's what happens. Something's God in your life. And if it's not God Almighty, Jehovah God, Elohim, El Shaddai, all the different names of God, it's something else, and it's probably your own self, whether you admit it or not. To sum up this stuff that I've been doing, talking about the last two weeks, here we go. These sins, as God said back in the Old Testament, they're an abomination. Such sins are an abomination. Man with man, woman with woman, committing all these acts, never intended it to be that way. That was not the created way for it to be. God spoke specifically what marriage is. Jesus confirmed it. What more do you need on same-sex things? There's no way, there is no way to justify that, biblically speaking. Either God's not worth listening to, or Jesus is a liar, and he was just a man that was, again, he was all the things that they call us who are Bible teachers, the same kind of thing. It's an abomination to God. They carry the death penalty under the law, and people argue, of course, we're not under the law, and we're not. We're not, and there's no death penalty to these things. And we live, see, in a, in a free country. A lot of the things that are different because of the New Testament way, like some of the speakings and teaching on authority and things like that, uh, they were they were captives. You know, the, Israel was never a free nation again after they were overrun by Babylon by the Babylonians in 586 BC. They never were. They went, as I told you many times, 25, 2600 years from 586 BC, the final siege in Babylon, where just destroyed them and destroyed the temple, to uh, 1948, 1948. That's when the Jews became, Israel became a nation again. That's over 2,500 years. God's not in a hurry. He punished his people for their constant defiance for generation after generation after generation after Moses and Joshua were gone. You know, it, it just went to hell in the handbag, literally. And so God punished them for that. But there's no death penalty. No, there should there be in, in, in the sense that we have in uh, our countries today that are free and constitutional. But one of the sad things is that um, some of these practices, and we saw this, and there was great controversy over that, and it shouldn't have been, that there was this great AIDS plague and epidemic a number of years ago that took many lives of homosexual people, and it came out of those practices, or so we were told or led to believe. I'm no expert on AIDS, and they've worked real hard to get, you know, vaccinations or things to help, you know, keep people from dying of that. But it was a result of practicing that. If you didn't practice that, unless you were with someone who had been, you, you weren't going to die of AIDS. The Bible's really clear throughout in every example that I gave you. And if you just focused on the New Testament with the words of Jesus, the words of Paul, and then the words of John that I didn't even bother to put in here, which are extremely strong. He said, no one who practices these things, practices these things will enter the kingdom of heaven. So we're speaking the truth in love comes, comes about in my heart because I, I preach and teach what I do to anyone, to anyone who is living in sin, who practices sin like I did before I got saved, because I don't want to see anyone going to hell. I don't have any hate in my heart for someone because they are homosexual, think differently than I do, whatever that practice happens to be. I don't hate those people. I can't. I can't hate anybody and claim to be born again in Christ. It doesn't work that way. It's not allowed. It's a disqualifier, as a matter of fact. We're told if we hate, we hate the love of God, the love of Christ isn't in us. So I preach and teach these things because it is truth spoken in love 
because I don't want to see anyone perish because I'm one of these people that believe in a literal, the, the reality of the Bible, the truth of the word of God, and a real heaven and a real hell. And everybody wants to believe in a real heaven, and they like to cherry pick the good things, don't want to believe in a real hell, which Jesus talked about Satan and hell more than anything else except the kingdom of heaven. I've taught you on that many times. You know, so these consequences of disease and other things going on, just think about what's going on in our nation, in our world, the breakdown of the family, marriage being redefined by the courts, by the highest court, being redefined. Well, now you need to teach your children that there could be two daddies and two mommies and all this other stuff that is absolutely defying the words of God, the words of Jesus, every one of the people he sent to speak on this. It's just creating havoc. You see what's going on. You see these kinds of things going on. It is absolutely destroying and tearing down the fabric of our nation. Why? Because it wants to get into the family. And that's exactly where Satan wants us to go. Get into the hearts and minds of children. Tell them it's okay. Put it in their school books. Put it in their school books and tell them it's all right. You can change. If you decide you want to be a little boy instead of a little girl, that's okay. We're going to let you do that too. Do you do you see what's going on? Do you understand? There's, and there's division over this within our country, state levels, national levels, and there's conflict and division within the church, which I don't understand. Because the Bible speaks clearly. God speaks clearly. And that's why I titled the message like I did, because if I'd used other words, it probably would have been banned before it ever got started, I probably wouldn't be allowed to teach this. And I'm sure at some point I'll be shut down like others have been. But I'm not speaking any hate. I told you, I don't hate anybody. I love these people. I love anybody. I love anybody because they're God's creation, whether they believe it or acknowledge it or not. But this, this is creating havoc and it's destroying the fabric of our nation and the family. And as I told you, look back in history, the Greek Empire and the Roman Empire. And those are just a couple. We know those because they are more Western civilization. And not some of the other ones. I have no idea what destroyed other nations and civilizations, but we know that was a big part of that, and it is in this country. And just so you know, by the way, it always reminds you that the United States is not accounted for in eschatology. Now, I'm not the, the greatest expert on that, but I know a fair amount about it. In the United States, when you study the book of Revelation and all the prophecies going forward, there ain't no United States accounted for in there. And so Christians like to think, well, that's because the rapture takes place and Christians are out of there. And then the rest of America just is given over to themselves, given over to themselves. Probably what happens could be right. But when you continue to spiral downward morally and the moral fabric of our nation is destroyed and undermined by things like this that we're now claiming to be proud of and all these companies Somebody used to work for, they got everything. They changed their logos for crying out loud to have rainbows and pride and all this stuff. And I find it fascinating because the, the homosexual community has done a fabulous job in terms of marketing and things like that, because it's a very, very small percentage of our country. It's a very small percentage of the people. It's the, it's the smallest number wise of the minorities. If you want to call them minorities, whatever you want to call that, it's a very small fraction. And yet they dominate the landscape here. And I think that's fascinating. It's fabulous marketing and it's, I mean, and, and not afraid to speak up and what they believe and stuff. While Christians sit on their, you know, what's in the church and gripe and complain about it and do nothing about it. 
do nothing about it, would not speak up like this. <laughs> well, that's being hateful. No, it isn't. It is not. If I didn't love you, I would say, fine, just go to hell. I don't care. I mean that sincerely. If I didn't love you with the love of, that God's told me that I need to love as one born again in Christ, because I don't want to see anyone perish. We're told in Second Peter, God didn't want to see anyone perish, but that all would come to salvation, that all would experience eternal life. You see, I believe that. I do. So I'm just speaking the truth and love for those reasons. And um, the last verse I've got for you is when I've used this phrase before God is not mocked. In Galatians 6, 7, I'm going to close up this message today with this. Paul told the Galatians, again, the same kind of thing. These people had been living in and around this kind of these, these lifestyles forever. It was the norm then. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, that will they also reap. Don't be deceived by what's going on. God is not mocked. And whether he takes care of things now or changes things now, the only thing we can do as Americans that believe like I do, the American Christians, is we vote. We don't riot. We don't get guns out. We don't do all the things that some of these other groups have done. And they're applauded as well, like BLM and others. I mean, that's nonsense. If we did that kind of thing, we'd all be in jail, in prison somewhere for some of the kind of things that were just looting, destroying, things like that. No, no, no. What we do is we pray and we vote. And that's what we have as a right as Americans to do as Christians. We speak out. We still have that right to speak. Although it could cost you your job, perhaps, or demotion in the military or something like that. I don't I don't know. I'm not in that world anymore. And um, I, I just pray for those who are, that you'd have the strength and the courage to speak the truth in love. Because as far as I know, in America, we still have a right to free speech. Although, again, it depends on what you're saying, which is another very sad thing. But, again, Christians are going to be persecuted throughout end times, throughout the times leading to end times, and perhaps this is part of it. I think that it is. My spirit's beginning to think that this is part of it, that these kinds of things are going to be forced on us, and you have to deal with it and live with it and love people and try to speak the truth in love to lead them to Christ. That's what it's all about. We don't want to see anyone perish apart from Christ. That's the nature of evangelical Christians. It's not to spew hate. But I can certainly stand and disagree, which I do and I have, and I've shown you what the Word of God says. This is not what Walter Spire says. The Word of God says. And so next time I'm going to go deeper into that. And if someone is watching this today, listening, however you've received it, and you don't know Jesus, and, and you are struggling with any sins, with these sins or others, I just want to encourage you to, to, to bow the knee and, and just like Jesus told everybody, you need to repent. He said, I came to call sinners to repentance. All of them, didn't matter whether it's my sins and my, the kind I was doing, your sins of your lifestyle, my lifestyle. Jesus just said, I came to call sinners to repentance. And so I want to ask you to do that. Just repent and give your heart to Jesus and let him deal with your life going forward. Your life going forward. It's... It, Life's hard. This side of heaven, life is hard. Whether you're Christian or not, it's hard. But it can be made easier and lighter walking with Christ. He said, you know, come yoke up with me. My burden's easy. My, you know, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. 
Doesn't feel like that sometimes, but it's a whole lot better walking with Jesus than it is fighting against him and speaking against him or trying to say that he represents all these things, which the Bible says it clearly does not. And so I just want to invite you to receive Christ now as I pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Again, your word is truth. And I pray that you, you promised that your word would not return void. So I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe and stand on the belief that someone somewhere is receiving this word and as a result understands their need for Jesus, their need for a Savior, and would repent and turn to him for Christ's sake. Amen. God bless you. To learn more about how you can become a Christian or grow in your walk with the Lord and receive freely of all the biblically-based content we have created or donate to help keep this ministry going strong, go to onlyjesus.life. That's onlyjesus.life.